Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. Live in the freedom that God loves you unconditionally. And He loves you unconditionally. God's love for you is unconditional. Preaching that God loves you unconditionally is the wrong message. God has a good will towards everybody, believers and non-believers. But there is another love reserved only for those who embrace the gospel and put their trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Well, I don't know why I'm yelling. It's the Wretched Radio <laughs> Mail Call Delivery Bag Q&A Infotainment Nationwide Extravaganza that's featuring what your voicemails, correspondences, communiques, dispatches, memorandums, and missives. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? What we need right now is a clear message to the people of this country. You have 1,200 messages. It is a bit above average. Now here's your host, Todd Freakishly Tall Freel. The mail is here! Ooh, this is Wretched Radio. And you are awesome. At least when you send questions, comments, conundrums, snarks, sermon stories, articles, illustrations to idea at wretched.org. So if you too want to be awesome, idea at wretched.org. All right, this one is from Justin. He says, Todd, at what age or stage of spiritual maturity should someone begin taking communion? Specifically, I'm wondering about my 11-year-old son, given the warning in 1 Corinthians about partaking in an unworthy manner. Well, let's consider the order of events, shall we? Somebody's got to get saved. Then the first commandment of our Savior is get into the jacuzzi. This is It's a slight paraphrase. That was not a formal equivalent. But you get baptized. You get saved. You get baptized. That historically was your entrance into church membership. If you read the day of Pentecost, people believed they got baptized and they were added to the church. Then you would take communion. You would approach the Lord's table as a member of that body. So if we want to put some stock into the order of events, the way the Bible presents it, you shouldn't be taking communion if you're not saved. I don't think you should be taking communion if you haven't been baptized. Now, don't have a fit if you have been taking the Lord's table and you're not baptized. But I would encourage you to get her done. Get baptized. The Lord wants you to identify with him through the waters of baptism. It is a public testimony of what he has done for you. It is a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and you when he made you a dead person alive in himself. So get baptized first after being saved with a credible profession and then start taking the Lord's table in that order. Idea, Edward, Jimmy, how many people do you think might be a little agitated? With that uh, well, I think some. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and they would, I get it, I understand. But if we're going to follow the order of events that we see in the Bible, that's the pattern that I think was established for us. Consider the Ethiopian eunuch. Okay, I believe what you're reading about, that suffering servant. I, I got, wow, where's water? What keeps me from being baptized? And then he was added to the church, and then the Lord's table was open to him. If you want a book on the subject about childhood conversion, Justin Peters, I think he's still, I would have to say he's he's the man. It is hinder, hinder them. Yeah, do not hinder them. 
<laughs> I, I know what you're doing. The King James Version, though, would be hinder them not. <laughs> That's what so I... So apparently Justin is a little on the liberal side. <laughs> but that is idea at wretched.org. All right. This is from Tabitha. Todd, is it sin for a Christian couple to decide not to have children because of the potential pain or angst that might be involved in raising them? I understand that children are a blessing. However... What if we don't want this particular blessing? <laughs> it could be a sin. It might not be. God God does not command you to have as many kids as you can. But what do we see about having children? What a blessing that we get to populate the planet, raise up children to love the Lord Jesus Christ. They, too, then can go about the business of mowing their lawn and edging their lawns too, uh, because we're image bearers. And that is such a massive blessing. How blessed is the one whose quiver is full. Kids are a blessing, an inheritance from the Lord. So you should ask yourself the question, do I want to forsake the delights of having children? That's, I think, a re that's the place that I would start. Then I would consider, all right, what about their, our current climate and culture? It, it, it appears that it could be really nasty in 10, 20 years. That's true. And I, I think that you can have some, let me just finish the whole thought. You can have some of those valid thoughts because I think we would all agree that there could be a scenario where it's like, it really wouldn't be smart to have a baby. And so if there can be legitimate exceptions, I think we need to recognize that we might come to a difference of opinion as to what those circumstances might be. Having said that, I would caution you. The, the world's going to devolve. The world's going to get darker, dimmer, more loveless. But the Bible doesn't say stop having children because of that. As hard as it might get, you're not sinning by bringing a kid into a world that's full of sin. It always has been full of sin. So be very slow to not have kids because of your concerns. Um, well, we're going to wait for the next election to see who wins. Oh, wow. I think you're putting more weight in worldly events that are so out of your control than the heavy weight of the blessing of having children. What about pain and childbearing? As promised. I understand. I think we men need to really do our best to understand going, you're carrying a human being in, in your womb for nine months. It is a massive sacrifice. Hmm. That sounds rather biblical. It, it, it is somebody giving life to another. Hey, that sounds biblical too. And a woman who is so suited to nurture a child and to train up a child, uh, so wonderful, so biblical. I get the pain issue. I, I do. I do get the pain issue. And I have to tell you, I do not begrudge any woman from getting an epidural. That is a blessing from the Lord. But ask yourself the question: If these issues are weighing on your mind, don't just don't just consider the issue itself. Well, how bad is it getting? How bad is the pain going to be? What am I afraid of? Am, am, am I fearing political movements? Am I fearing what could happen in our country when, when entirely godless people are they're, they're imposing Marxism? What are you afraid of? 
You should be afraid of the Lord. Fear him. Then, then those concerns, they have their right place in their right order. And consider pain. Why are you so afraid? I get, who have, it's like saying, why don't you go intentionally hit your, your thumb with a hammer? Well, you wouldn't do that, obviously, because there's no point. Well, there is a point in, in, in experiencing pain so that you can give life to an image bearer of God. Dig down deeper. Am I afraid that the Lord isn't going to take me through? Do I not think that the Lord will be my strength? Do, do I fear, perhaps, that there could be medical complications that could bring about the end of my life? That's much less of a concern today than it was 100 years ago. And so you need to consider the heart. And I think that that is the big issue in all of this. What's motivating my fear? What's motivating my trepidation? Because if it is having theology out of whack or theology not applied, correct that. And then see how you feel about having them kiddos. Idea at wretched.org. Yeah, um, I think it, the, the one particular part of her email uh, that said, uh, uh, what if we don't want this particular blessing? You do. You do want that particular blessing. You may not think that you do, but. Um, you, you know, though, Jimmy, you know what? I think in general. All right. I, I agree with you that that is that is the standard desire that God made us to procreate. But do you think that there could be somebody they just genuinely they don't want kids? No, no, no. I, I think, you know, in your mind, you don't want children. But I, I, I'm just thinking from an aspect, if you do wind up having children. Oh, you're going to love them. You're going to. Yeah, you're, you're going to. Realize. I, think, I think historically there have been some really rotten moms and dads. Hmm who just resented them, but that's that's because they don't have their theology in place. That, that's because they don't have their thinking straight on the issue. They're a burden. They're a nuisance. They have kept me from fulfilling my dreams. I got to tell you something. You, get, you give me the choice of raising my children again or becoming the emperor of Tibet. I'll take my kids in a heartbeat. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Besides, I don't know who would want to be the emperor of Tibet anyway. <laughs> but the point is, make me the king of England. Make me the king of America. No, I'll take my children. They're, it, it's a theological issue. It's a heart issue. Examine that first. And I would also encourage you to, because I under, I, look, this, this isn't just a brushing your, your concerns away. They're legitimate. They're not, they're not foolish. They're, they're not irrational. I would encourage you to talk to others in your church. You're going to find some people felt the exact same way. Talk to them. Ask them, okay, you went from this to that. How did that happen? How did you move from being child resistant to delighting in your children? And that will help you a lot by being discipled by somebody who has gone through it. Because I'll, I'll tell you, yep, they are a lot of work. They are. Yep. They're a financial burden, if you want to use that word. Oh, but man, Silla, I wouldn't trade it for 10 gazillion dollars. This is Wretched Radio. 
Busy, busy, busy. Last year, Preborn Ministries provided over 92,000 ultrasounds, 54,000 babies were saved, 69 ultrasound machines were placed, 10,000 people responded to the gospel. Preborn Ministries, very busy, saving babies, saving souls. Would you please consider partnering with Preborn Ministries? $28 per ultrasound, five ultrasounds, $140. Yes, they are expensive, but they save lives. And Preborn Ministries uses good equipment with trained specialists, which is why the success rates are so staggeringly high at saving lives with preborn. Please consider supporting preborn at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched. Hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today. Now, if you're someone who supported our ministry in the past, I want to first of all, thank you for your generosity. You may not know this, but your gifts have helped us to reach millions of people all over the world with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. But know this, we're not done yet. We will continue to stand firm in the gospel and reach even more people all over the world. And we want to do it with you. That's why we're asking you to prayerfully consider becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner. As you know, we exist to preach the gospel, equip others to preach the gospel, and of course, to strengthen the local church. So would you consider what it might look like in your life if you were to become an ongoing monthly gospel partner? That is only if you're not in debt and you're already giving to your local church. If those things are in order, then please consider joining us. Visit wretched.org slash donate or text the word wretched to the number 44321. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. Like the Pointer Sisters, I am so excited and I just can't hide it. The Masters Academy International is embarking on a bold new program to distribute Bibles internationally. There are oh so many wretched people who love to give to ministries who are giving out Bibles. And the Masters Academy International is going to start doing just that in the Philippines. But they don't want to give out just any Bible to just anybody. They're going to give away John MacArthur Study Bibles to Christians who cannot afford them in a local Bible teaching church. Can you imagine the impact? How much do you love your MacArthur Study Bible? For $25, you could put a Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines. I'll do the math. It's not tricky. Four Bibles, $100. Maybe you could commit to giving a Bible a month to a believer in the Philippines. Please visit wretched.org slash Bible, wretched.org slash Bible to join the Master's Academy International. Important dates in Christian history. 716 AD. Boniface, the apostle of Germany, sets out as a missionary to bring the gospel to pagan lands. As Islam decimated the church in North Africa and the Middle East, Christianity found shelter and thrived in Europe. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. And another thought. This is Wretched Radio, Jimmy. Yes. During the break, talking about people who don't want to have children. Mm-hmm. You you thought, wow, what what is the, somebody there just absolutely child resistant, 
hate the idea of that. Right, right. I just wondered, you know, someone who who uh, is a Christian or would call themselves a Christian, and it, can you be in that state where you just absolutely just don't want to have? Well, let chill- me let me let, let's just let's make this part clear. I believe that you can be a Christian and you can have those sentiments, but I don't think that you should keep those sentiments. Right. Okay. You, you should be working toward unwinding those. For instance, you grew up in a home and wow, it was, it was an awful childhood. There's plenty of us who have gone through that. And you think there's no way I'm bringing kids into that. Well, I would encourage you to not base the joy of having children on your experience. Besides, you're going to do better, aren't you? Maybe it was it was just you take a look at the finances and you think that this is going to cause you to tap out. Well, I think you can then pause and wait, but that shouldn't be the excuse for just I never want to have those things. I I would encourage you if you have those feelings, and I think that there's there's a reasonable number of actual believers who do. I would I would work toward unwinding that. I would I would I would try to figure out what's at the root of that because I think that this is this is a this is a truism because the Bible says so having kids is amazing it is it is absolutely profound beyond description and you say not for me it's not well for you at the moment your thinking is wrong you 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 just it's okay your thinking is just Wrong, because the Bible says, it's not just my personal opinion, I, I, I just dig my kids to pieces, it's the Bible says so, and therefore it's true. And if you disagree with that, then I would encourage you to work on getting your thinking aligned with the Bible's thinking, and there might be some ways that you can do that. Have you spent time in a delightful Christian home with children? Have you watched parents tuck their kids into bed and say nighttime prayers as you kneel at their bedside? Have you, have you watched children on a playground and not just been agitated because it's just a clatter and the kids are so loud, but do you watch them run to mom when they get hurt? And it's, there, there's something so profound to it. When you look at a a parent carrying a child that's sound asleep on their shoulder. Have you considered how delightful that would be if your offspring felt about you the the way that that kid feels about their parent? Spend some time, sort through it, because I wouldn't say, hey, you're a wicked, terrible person. I get it. I, I really do. I get it. But I would encourage you to align your thinking and your feelings about kids with the Bibles, and then get a lot of wisdom and counsel from folks who have been through it. Idea at Wretched. Are you done? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah, I, I, I would never want to make somebody feel terrible for for not being excited about children, because I, I get it. there could be something, an experience in the past, etc. And they they are they seen really bad parenting outside of their home. They're worried about the economy. I, those are this. That's not stupid thinking. No, it's all valid. Valid. Yeah. I, I think my point in the whole thing was uh, the way the question was originally. The original question was worded: Is is it a sin for a Christian not to not to have children, or to to decide not to have children? And 
like you talk, like you're talking about that, you know, you need to unravel your thinking a little bit. And and I guess the point that I was trying to highlight was it's not necessarily a, thin, a sin to have those thoughts. But what are you doing to prevent yourself from having children? That might wind up being a sin. Sure, it, it could be. Right. You know, is is it the question is, is it a sin to not have kids? Well, you can't say that. I mean, that that would be I mean, Jimmy. You've got three kids. Right. Why don't you have 17? <laughs> well, because God Sinner. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay. You would never do that. Besides, your last name isn't Duggar. <laughs> That's and, true. And you didn't homeschool. So <laughs> all of those reasons, you can't have 17 children. <laughs> you, you can't call it a sin for having X number of children. I've seen that, by the way, in churches. I've experienced that, actually, especially <laughs> at homeschool conventions. <laughs> How many kids do you have? Shamefully. Three. <laughs> well, we got a dog, too. Does that count for <laughs> Idea at wretched.org. All right. This next question is from Cody. What's your take on the idea that each believer has their own personal guardian angel? Mm, yeah. some, some people even go as far as naming their guardian angel. Yeah. Does this belief shift reliance away from God, his word, and the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Well, it certainly can do that, but we got to take a look at how many angels there are. And the Bible does not say that there's one angel per person. First of all, it just doesn't say that. Furthermore, oh, you'll have to ask Jack Van Impe which psalm it is that there's a, there's a, there's a picture of angels that want to do his bidding, and it, it's a it's a vivid picture of the angels are surrounding the throne, like. Tell me, tell me what to do. Just to give it, give it to me, and I'm on it. I'll go and do it. And so they do the Lord's bidding. The best I think that we could say, as far as angels that we just can't see, would be more rather than a personal angel. It's more like zones, <laughs> where there there's angels. Certainly, these are spirits that we can't see. There are angels, but there's not one per. But they're you know in areas and territories. But they don't do whatever they want. They do what the Lord tells them to do on our behalf. Now, having this guardian angel idea that I've got my personal angel, so I don't need to be afraid because I've got a guardian angel, I, I would say that needs to be corrected. You, you, you aren't afraid because God, and if he is going to protect me and use a guardian angel, whatever you want to call it, great. But I'm going to give him credit. I, I I put my hope in the Lord, not in an angel. It is fascinating to me because I've never been like an angel aficionado. Like, ooh, I need to go study that. That's so cool. And yet you see those little angel figurines everywhere. People just dig angels. And I think the question in that email, uh, I, I think, reveals why. They, they want something that makes them feel safer. You know what, Christian? You've got something that should make you feel safe. That something is a someone. It is your God idea at wretched.org. All right. Our next question comes from Amanda, who says, Todd, I recently attended a Baptist church where women led prayers and gave ministry reports during the worship service. Doesn't this go against the teachings of 1 Corinthians and 1 Timothy regarding women's roles in the church? So it's giving an update on missions or ministry work. Yeah, ministry reports and uh, also praying, leading prayer. Yeah. Uh, there's there, the, the ministry report, I would actually have a different issue with that. I would, I would, I'm a little bit of a purist when it comes to the elements of worship. And I don't think that ministry reports are regulated by God. 
So I just wouldn't have them inside of the service. I would do those separately outside before, after, um, even at a different meeting if, if, if necessary. But I wouldn't include those as one of the elements of worship. Now, as far as leading prayer, that gets a that gets a little trickier. Go to cbmw.org. You'll find very thorough treatments of that. I tend I tend to lean on. I don't think it's a great idea because you're leading people in prayer. They're following you, and I think that that's the admonition in part, in 1 Timothy 2.12, I do not allow a woman to preach or to have authority over men. And I think that that's an authoritative position, less so, I think, than preaching, I guess, if you're going to weigh it. But it's still, it's it's a leadership position. It's, it's baked right into how we say it. Will you lead us in prayer? All right. Now, now here's a question. Jimmy, the yeah. four of us are out to dinner. Okay. And who prays for the food? At the table. I do. All righty then. Send <laughs> ideas, questions, comments, canal, whatever you want. All right, what, what if one of the ladies prayed? Uh, I, yeah, we're not in church. Right, exactly. Right. You're not in church. So right. that, wouldn't, I don't, that wouldn't bother me at all. Right. And it's, it's, it's the leadership. It's the authority for the sake of order. Because we've most certainly seen this, haven't we? Without order, without structures, yikes the chaos that we would create. So regarding the leading of the prayer, here's another one. What about the kids leading the prayer? Well, again, I think we need to remember, God regulates worship. God has assigned elders that are to be leading this worship. There are authority structures. I know it's cute. I get it. It's adorable. Could you maybe, like what I just kind of, Look the other way if it were a Christmas service. Yeah, probably. But leading worship is not a small thing. I think that that's the step that we have a tendency to just hopscotch right over. Worship is a big deal. What we are doing Sunday morning, th there's, there's nothing more glorious on the planet than Sunday morning in your local church. When we gather as saints to worship God, start there. That'll probably help us answer most of our questions. This is Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News Break. Here on Wretched Radio, I'm Jimmy Hicks. First up on the list today, the NFL's first transgender cheerleader. The, I'm not going to say the new transgender name. I'm just going to say the guy's name is Justin Lindsay, and he has been with the Carolina Panthers cheerleading squad called the Top Cats for over a year now. And Lindsay compares his career to the monumental accomplishments like becoming a doctor or a nurse. Although some people are finding those comparisons a bit, well, ambitious. Yeah, that's probably understating it, don't you think? Lindsay says that he aims to inspire younger generations of boys that aspire to be girls to prance around and be cheerleaders instead of actually playing on the football team. I know that's probably a terrible characterization and I might seem mean for saying it, but come on. Boys play football and if they don't, they play baseball, they play basketball, they find the sport that fits them and then if they don't want to play sports, that's fine too. They can be writers or play in the band or do something. but. 
If you don't make the football team, you don't join the cheerleading squad. That's not how this works. Switching gears to education, Oak Park High School in Kansas City, Missouri has named a, hey, here's another one, trans-identifying male. No, has named a guy, an actual boy, as their homecoming queen. <sighs> the school had a similar situation happen in 2015. I don't know if it's deja vu, the Twilight Zone, or a mixture of both. Speaking of education, you all know the debate around the book Gender Queer. It seems like the debate has started to heat up in some parts of the country. A new poll by WPA Intelligence has revealed that over 90% of voters are questioning the book's suitability for young readers, <laughs> you think, due to its explicit content. Even the author of the book, who identifies as non-binary, doesn't recommend the book for children. So that makes you wonder why was it put in the first place in public school libraries? Number two, why are so many fighting so hard to keep it there if 90% of voters don't want it there? A TikTok influencer in Indonesia has found herself sentenced to two years in prison for, hold your horses, eating pork and reciting an Islamic prayer. That's probably something that would fall under the line of disrespectful to your religion in America. Places like Indonesia, it's a prison sentence. She's also been fined a substantial amount of money. Some are questioning the severity of Indonesia's blasphemy laws. And that's been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible the book of Job answers the question, why do the righteous suffer? When Job loses everything, his friends blame him. But when Job questions the Lord, he responds, God is sovereign and he is good. His ways are beyond our understanding. When you suffer, know that God is in control. He has his own purposes that you may not understand. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Fine. Don't be awesome. Don't send us anything. This is Wretched Radio. If you want to be awesome, send stuff to idea at wretched.org. Jimmy, that's my favorite new word. That, uh, apparently it is. You texted me that yesterday. Yeah. What did, <laughs> well, you did something. Uh, you said something. I don't remember what it was. It, but it was some. Oh, it was your picture of the Alpharetta Bible Church. Oh, is that right? Yeah. And you said... Uh, I don't remember what I said. Oh, you sent me a picture of the pulpit standing at the pulpit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I wanted to be enthusiastic. Right. And encouraging. Yeah. Okay. So for instance, my buddy Ludie Creech in Ireland. Mm -hmm. Okay. Wow. Magnificent work. He was, he was with OM for a long time. So evangelistically minded. And they planted a church and it's growing and it's healthy. And he just sent me a little video on the through the texting business. And it was a fellow that was from Africa. You could tell from the accent. They were at some festival and they were they were attracting a crowd to preach the gospel to them. Okay, what am I gonna do? Send him a Phil Johnson thumbs up. Not like I'm bitter or anything, Phil. <laughs> I could tell him, hey, Phil, we uh we came up with the cure to all diseases on the planet. Thumbs up. That's all he ever. <laughs> I don't want to be like Phil Johnson. I can't believe I just uttered that sentence. <laughs> I want to be encouraged. So I sent it. Ludie, that is so awesome. 
just a little. I want to be more like Barnabas, you yeah. know. Encourager, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So be awesome. Send stuff to idea <laughs> at wretched.org. Well, this is from Corey. It's not so awesome. He says, Todd, recently I discovered that a church in my area is requiring their members to show their W-2s as a condition of membership to ensure their tithing. Church of the IRS? <laughs> Apparently, ensuring they're tithing a, cer- uh, uh, or tithing a certain amount proportionate with their income. Uh-huh. Is the church in error or are they entitled to do so? Pretty much on every level, they're in error. First of all, I don't believe that the tithe is a 10% tithe. We've been through this multiple times here. Giving is from the heart, and that's problem number two. Compulsory giving is not what God is after. He wants joyful giving from the heart. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, please read it if you haven't read it in the context of giving. What does God want from us? An accountant's check? Here's your percentage, God. Remember, for some people, that could be devastating. For others, it's a drop in the bucket. What does God want you to do? He wants you to know that he is a better accountant than HR Block. Are they still in business? The I, HR yeah, Block? I think so. He knows exactly what you could give. Now, how much do you want to give? That's what God is after. Furthermore, a church that insists on 10% and is willing to go outside of the boundaries of the church's role of basically auditing your finances, showing them your W-2, indicates it's probably a prosperity sort of church. Uh I, 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 I wouldn't show them that. And it's not because I would be concerned about, well, this is how much I make. It's just not their role. So for those reasons, um, I'd probably be looking for a place that teaches a little more biblically than compulsory. That seems to be after your money and not after godliness. But that's just me. Jimmy, you agree with that? I completely I, agree I, I don't, don't want to... I don't know what the church is. Could it be that they're orthodox in other regards, perhaps, and they're just really glitchy on this issue? But I would, if if it's a good church other than this, which I'd be surprised at, but I guess it could happen, I'd approach them and say, what's the basis for this? Tell me what this what this is all about and where you get the authority to do that. Now, having said all of that, that doesn't mean that a pastor can't get in the pulpit and say, hey, y'all, Examine your bank accounts and examine your hearts. We don't want you to miss out on the blessings of giving. That's what that's what I think a money sermon should be about. It's a you're going to be blessed. The, the Lord loves a cheerful giver. Do you want to lose that? So we happen to know taking a look at the budget, the average income of this territory, it looks, I think I just read something where I think the average giving for Christians is 1%. Okay. Could it be 1%? It could. I don't know if that's joyful giving from the heart. I don't know what the correct percentage should be. And that's precisely the point. There isn't a number. God is after heart giving. So if you're here and you're giving from the heart, thank you. Praise God. May he bless you mightily for that. If you're not, you're missing out. Encourage you to remember what your Savior paid for you. And then return what you think is appropriate. I think that's totally in bounds for no, that's 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 entirely right for a church to do that. Idea at wretched.org. All right, this next question comes from Anonymous. Todd, um, should Christians support universal health care? <laughs> this would be 
a trap. And I'm not going to walk into that one because we might be inclined to hear a question like that and spout off like a talk show host. (laughs) Just boom, here's the problem. Boom, I know. Boom, here's the problem. I don't want to do that because I think that it makes us sound a little bit like a clanging cymbal. So here's where I would start. Rather than specifically answering the question first about universal health care, I'd be inclined to say a Christian's heart desires that everybody receive the best health care possible. That's what we want. We, we want that for people so that people understand we're not just batting because it makes us sound heartless, doesn't it? No, we're opposed to universal. We don't want people to get it for free. Well, it just doesn't just doesn't sound very, you know, loving. So having set the table with the heart's desire of the Christian to see people receive good health care, the question is, will universal health care provide that? And I think the answer is no. The government rarely does anything efficiently, if ever. It's big, it's bloated. We have all of the other departments that give us all of the evidence we need to say, I I go to the DSM and I want to lose my mind. I, I, I want the government being responsible and taking care of my health. So I think from a standpoint of actually getting the job done, I think it gets a big fat F. There's biblical reasons, however, that I don't think that that's the way to do it. Taking from one to give to the other, that's that's not giving. Christians should be giving. And by the way, I have to tell you, I've read some critics of churches that find that they encourage people in their community. Let us know what your health care care bills are that you can't afford. We'd like to take care of it for you. And then they go about the business of somehow negotiating them down and then paying them for the community. I hope they attach the gospel to it. But that's a beautiful thing. I know some people are critical of that. I don't exactly understand why. That is, that's just Christian charity. Compulsory taxes for, to give to others. Uh, that, that's, that's, that's not giving from the heart. Furthermore, I don't think the Bible gives the government permission to be dabbling in that realm. It's, it's a debatable issue about how much government should be doing. Nevertheless, I don't think that that falls underneath the list of responsibilities of the government. Uh, so for all of those reasons, I would say eh, on the universal health care. You got anything else on that, Jimmy? No, nope, I agree. All righty then. Ideawretched.org. <laughs> all right. This next one is from Bruce. Uh, if, um, if you believe, Todd, that we should be dressed in our best at church, does that mean we should also be dressed, uh, dressed in our best to enter his throne room in our daily prayers? That's a great question. If not, what's the difference? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I, th- there's only... Initially, one, maybe two differences I can think of. One is it's public gathering and clothing speaks to the people you're with. If you're in a prayer closet, oh, well, you're not sending that message that this is something special. Now, what about the vertical aspect? What are you telling God? You know, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I don't think that I can cite a specific distinction that would say that we shouldn't consider how we approach God. Now, you're out to eat and, and you you pray. Well, no, you better run home and put on a suit and tie. Okay, let's, let's not make laws ridiculous here. But before you 
spend time talking to God, what would we be telling him if we recognized this is such a privilege that I get to talk to you, I'm going to express it in my outer apparel. Don't we consider that with physical issues, kneeling, sometimes flat on your face, praying to God, those things speak. So, sir, I'll be honest with you. I, I can't think of a big distinction other than the public versus private. And it just, it doesn't, that does not appear to be the Old Testament pattern in the temple. Okay, this one might be stronger. We see the priests dressing up. Now, that's why for years, and some some denominations still have pastors in robes to cover up the man to show this is a special thing. And But we don't see everybody else putting on some sort of holy attire um, or outside of the the temple service, did we see apparel as being something to be considered? It seems to be limited to what's going on inside of that building. Beyond that, I'm a, I'm a little challenged. Uh, okay, here's something else to consider. Where are you praying? Okay. <sighs> Glad glad it's almost a break. People who pray in the bathroom for the life of me, I do This is Wretched Radio. Confession, normally numbers aren't my favorite subject, but these numbers make me happy. MediShare is affordable biblical health sharing with twice the satisfaction rate of MediShare members versus traditional health insurance plans. The average family saves $500 per month. Over $3 billion worth of medical bills have been shared among MediShare members, which, by the way, MediShare has been around for a quarter of a century. Don't forget, telehealth is available at MediShare, and it will take you two minutes to receive a quote to see what you and your family could be saving every single month with MediShare. Affordable biblical health sharing. Please spend a very worthwhile two minutes at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Question, are you tired of the same old boring TV shows? Well, there is something that's not like anything else on Christian TV. It's transformed and it's back for season number two. You get to be a fly on the wall as you witness real biblical counseling sessions, tackling issues like depression, anxiety, OCD, and others. These are real people with real issues being offered real solutions by our hosts, Dr. Greg Gifford and Dale Johnson. So if you're looking for something different, you know, a show that glorifies God and demonstrates the sufficiency of His Word, then Transform is for you. It's a -a one-of-a-kind production that provides the hope and relief that only the Bible can give. The world is full of hurting people, even Christians, and many are completely unaware of biblical counseling and the answers it can provide. So join us for Transform Season 2, the show that will transform your walk with Christ and leave a profound and lasting impact on your life. Get your hands on it now and also consider grabbing the Sunday School curriculum for your church. You can find it at transform.org or the Wretched Store at wretched.org. Ah, some good news. Two encouragements from the Tomorrow Clubs. They have hundreds of weekly kids meeting clubs in Eastern Europe, but now they've expanded to Africa. 
And the kids are swarming the Tomorrow Clubs. They have never seen greater attendance than the hundreds of new clubs that they are opening up in Africa. That should encourage all of us. The gospel is going forth and reaching kids in unreached places. Encouragement number two, would you like to become a Tomorrow Clubs ministry partner? Your support will help the Tomorrow Clubs open up even more Tomorrow Clubs and reach even more kids with the gospel. Please consider becoming a ministry partner at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched, tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Hermeneutics. A vital part of biblical hermeneutics is an understanding of genre. One genre we find in scripture is gospel. The gospels are four complementary narrative accounts of the same story from a different perspective with a different emphasis. God delivers his timeless truth through a multitude of witnesses. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. If you drop a dime, we'll send you 10 cents. It's free! This is Wretched Radio. It doesn't even cost 10 cents to call the toll-free 1-877-282-BEEP. Now, this is a very exciting announcement. Jimmy, tell everybody where they can text questions, comments, <laughs> conundrums, snarks. I don't have an announcement. What's the deal? I don't know. Are we the government? What I, is stalling out here? Why would this be taking so long? I don't know. I don't know. Have you been busting anybody's chops in a Christian loving kind of way? I, I need to. Might need to. I I think that that could be a hoot. I, I do too. I think it, and it's it can work. It I've been told that it's going to work. <laughs> no, I know. Crack that whip, Jimmy. Crack that whip. It's the it's the man. It's the man in the office next. To I you. see. The buck just got passed. One eight seven seven two eight two. Hey Todd. So I've been given the gift or curse of noticing inconsistencies in people. Um, I try to apply it to myself too, though. I've also been given the gift or curse of being willing to speak. So what do you do <laughs> about Christian family members? I have a big extended family who claim to be Christians. We stand by God's law and standards. And then when someone in the family does something blatantly unbiblical, they change the standard and they act like it's not a big deal. They insinuate it's okay uh, because a family member did it. I point that out and then people, it really, you don't make friends doing that. But <laughs> how do I discern that I'm standing for God's standards and defending him or I just want to be right? <laughs> I've got two options for you to solve your dilemma. You you have the gift of being hypercritical and you love to talk. Here's your first option. Become a talk show host. Second option, think pastorally. That will guide you. That guides that guides me regularly because if you have a tendency with the spiritual gift of, you know, discerning when somebody does something inappropriate, they put a comma in the wrong place and you know all about it and you need to let them know because, oh, that's important. Think pastorally. A pastor doesn't go about the business of correcting everything with his sheep. Not everything. There are times when most certainly correction is warranted. But overall, be pastoral. Be patient with people. Overlook a lot of sins 
and wrongs and then start weighing the issues. And I think that ultimately was your question, sir. How do, how do I discern, you know, which level? Well, think about essentials, secondary, tertiary. Think about a sin, a dopey thought, an, an ongoing issue. Eh, and then weigh it. There's, a, there's just a ton of stuff. If I were talking to somebody, let's just say, for instance, a new believer, and they believe in global warming, I am not going to touch it. It is so not important to, to, to go to the mattresses on a subject like that. Do I have an opinion about it? Of course I do. Is it right? Yeah, I'm a talk show host. I'm not going to try to correct that. So just be pastoral, be patient, watch the trajectory of somebody's life. How are they doing? Will my words encourage? Will they lift up? Will they tear down? So, sir, if you discover that a lot of your interjections into conversations are causing acrimony, then you probably do need to ask yourself the question, am I being an encourager? Am I Barnabas-like or am I just causing a lot of hassles? And then adjust appropriately. You got any tips for this fellow, Jimmy? Because you're hypercritical. <laughs> I, I'm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, are, is there anybody who isn't? No. And you learn, I think, as you grow. Uh, hopefully, as you grow, that kind of goes away. Or uh, it, 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 over the years, it should increasingly. Yeah, it should. But I find myself still hypercritical with family like he's talking about yeah. i can let a lot of things go with people that aren't family but yeah. i seem to be more critical with my family yeah you know knowing what our role in our position is i i i get that feeling but i i, I think too I, I the cauldron that we are currently all simmering in cultivates crankiness curmudgeonly attitudes, a critical spirit, that is the zeitgeist. It is all about mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. and we, I'm telling you, it just seeps into our pores and we got to resist that and be aware of that. And if you're finding yourself putting off people, you really would do well to back up and go, I need to, I need to reassess that. Use some of those principles that I mentioned uh, and then ask people for help. Ask people for help. And when you biff it, repent to the person, ask for forgiveness from the person. And if you are not, if you've been in the faith, I'm just going to pick a number for a decade. And you're still as critical as you were when you got saved. You got yourself a blind spot. That's all. I'm not saying you're not in the kingdom. I'm just saying you got, you got yourself a blind spot. If you find yourself being judgmental and having a critical spirit, that should be progressively diminishing. You've been a you've been a believer twenty years, and you are still just shotgun blasting everybody and anybody. You might want to take a look at that. One eight seven seven two eight two. Hey Todd, I have a question about C.S. Lewis. Uh oh. Uh, my wife and I own some of his books. However, after learning more about him, we're not comfortable with keeping them ourselves on our own shelves. Is it okay then to donate his books? in hopes of exposing someone to the gospel, even if it is poor theology? Or is this the situation where, since his theology could potentially be sending Catholics to hell with a pat on the back from a Christian, is that something that we should dispose of instead? What is your conviction on this? What is, do you, 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 you are not a fan of C.S. Lewis because you think that his books contain damnable information and you don't want to consume them. If that's your conviction, 
I, I would encourage you to not pass that along. Is there, is there tons of meat in those books? Yeah, actually, there is. You're a pretty brilliant fellow. Is there enough bad that we should be aware of it? Absolutely. Now, let's get back, though, to conviction. There would be some Christians. First of all, there would be some Christians who would actually debate some of the wonky theology of C.S. Lewis. Fair enough. But I do think that it depends on individual maturity. Can I handle reading a book that perhaps is less than... Hmm, orthodox all the time and benefit from it. I think that there are Christians who can do that and feel free to do so. If you're one of those who goes, I, I, I'm just not very mature, then don't go reading stuff that could have a trap or a snare for you. And if you're persuaded that any author is a stinker, uh, don't give those books away. Throw them away. Speaking of C.S. Lewis, did I mention this quote the other day? I I had to give a little asterisk, a little nota bene. There was apparently a dialogue between A.W. Tozer and C.S. Lewis. Jimmy, did we talk about this? I think I talked about it at Bible study. I preached on it last Sunday. I don't remember if you mentioned it on air. A.W. Tozer said the most important thing about a man is what he thinks about God. Well, apparently, this is back probably in the 40s, one C.S. Lewis heard about this transcontinentally. And he said, it is certainly not. The most important thing is not what a man thinks about God, but what does God think about man? That's more important. Now, you can debate which one is more important. I happen to think, though, that both questions are actually important. You know, whatever your ordo salutis is for that question, debate. But you should ask that. Here's a question for you to ponder. This is, this is just something for you to think about. Have you ever considered what God thinks about when he thinks about you? Have you ever pondered what God thinks about you? First of all, he's thinking about you all the time. You're never off of his omniscient radar. What, what's his face toward you? What's his attitude toward you, dear believer? And if you could, you could perhaps have multiple answers that could all be biblical, but if your list does not include love, then I think that you should go about the business of studying that attribute, that perfection of God. Because God wants you to be filled with the fullness of God in Christ, the love of God in Christ. Jesus prayed that you'd experience that love. Jesus saved you so that you could be introduced to the Father in a peaceful relationship and enjoy that love. So if you answered the question, what does God think about when he thinks about me and it was nothing but negative or judgmental, you need to remember that in Christ, you are as loved by the Father as the Son is loved by the Father. And that's a lot. Just want to say thanks a lot, Todd. You really made me cry with that story about your pastor's daughter oh. and how the church. <laughs> I just can't even hardly get this out. That was so sweet. Thank you for sharing that. It was a, it was a beautiful thing. It was the church acting rightly. It wasn't a church that just turned a blind eye to a young lady who wasn't married, who found herself with child. It's not like they were going to go, well, let's just pretend that didn't happen and carry on. No, that's not the way a church deals with it. This was a young lady who was repentant. What? what, what why wouldn't we embrace her? Why wouldn't, why wouldn't we love her? Why wouldn't we have a baby shower for her? It would be like somebody, yeah, you know, that uh, that person told a lie. Whoa, 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 whoa. We better not be nice to that person. They told a lie. Somebody sinned. They've repented. 
Their sin is forgiven. What do we what do we want? An ounce? A pound of flesh for it? Nah, we want to love on the repentant sinner. And maybe especially unwed moments. Until tomorrow, go serve your king. <laughs>